Hey, Oasis family, good to see you online. Uh, I hope that you are well. Um, I've been praying for you. Uh, this week has been extremely difficult for all of us. Within a seven-day window, there have been uh, three mass shootings. And one of those mass shootings, at the time we are recording this, 19 children uh, were shot and killed just trying to go to school, and I believe two uh, adults as well. And um, as I surveyed the, the comments on Instagram, one of the things that really stuck out to me is, is somebody said, um, we are tired of thoughts and prayers. And it stuck out to me because I was trying to connect with this thought um, as a Christian, can we be tired of, of praying? And I understand that. And then somebody else put a post that the prayers of the righteous are powerful and effective. And I understand both uh concepts and both feelings and emotions. And I understand that prayer is powerful and effective, but I think what that person was trying to say is I started reading through Joshua chapter seven when this guy had done something really wrong in the camp. His name was Achan. And what that person did wrong brought chaos and uh, wrath and horrible things to the camp. And Joshua in, in Joshua chapter seven began to pray. And God himself tells Joshua to stop praying. He literally says, why are you crying out to me? Get up. Why are you laying there? Somebody in the camp has done something. Go do something about it. So God has said, stop praying about things that you could do something about. And where I felt this conviction this week is, do I pray about things that I can do something about? Do we pray about shootings in schools when... An 18-year-old can buy an AR-15 for his 18th birthday. I, many of you know I love golf, and I was golfing the other day with a 17-year-old. And I was driving, and the 17-year-old was walking. And I remember saying to the 17-year-old, hey, it's pretty far uh, to push a golf bag around. This course is uphill, and I would be exhausted. Why don't you have a golf cart? And he said, well, golf courses don't rent golf carts to 17-year-olds. And it just made me think this week that an 18-year-old can get an AR-15, but a 17-year-old can't get a golf cart. Mm -hmm. So what I believe that person's frustration is saying, as Christians, do we pray about things that we could do something about? Um, one pastor said, hey, now's not the time for political statements. Now's the time for prayer. But are we praying about something we could do something about? Later in the Bible, Jesus would say, uh, if someone comes to you and they're hungry and you have food, don't send them on their way and say, I'm praying for you. Can you imagine having a pantry full of food and someone asks you for something to eat and you say, I will keep you in my thoughts and prayers. It is actually a severely unrighteous act to pray about something that you can do something about. The Bible is suggesting, James, that faith without works is dead. So I just wanna tell you that we as a church are praying over every last one of those souls and their families. Um, for me personally, I have found as a man, the only comfortable emotion I'm uh, comfortable feeling is anger. And so I'm trying to move from anger in my life to uh, weeping and, and true, uh, um, where the Bible says to weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. I, I'm trying to make sure that anger is not on my first emotion, although I have every right to be angry, but my first emotion is understanding and compassion. And so I'm praying for those families with that kind of compassion. I hope you are as well. 
But also I am praying for wisdom for our lawmakers because if we say we care about this nation, um, we cannot pray and then not do something about it. And that's what God told Joshua, get up. And so if you are listening to this and there is something you could do, whether you are a lawmaker um, or whether you are in the position of influence uh, to reach out to your Congress members, whatever you can do, if you are crying out to the Lord, I believe just like Joshua 7, that God would say to you, why are you crying out to me? Get up and do something. Yes, we pray. We always believe in the power of prayer, but faith without works is dead. And so we're gonna take some time to pray for the lives lost and their families, but we are also going to pray and seek the Lord for change. We don't look to politicians. We ask them. Prayer is looking to God, but we still ask our government leaders to make some changes. So I want you to just engage your faith right now as we pray for these families that lost their lives. Father, we ask you, Lord, to bring your peace to these families. God, what happened is just flat out horrific. And I pray that as a church, we are not better at being angry than we are at brokenhearted because the Bible never says you're near the angry. It says you're near the brokenhearted. Yes, we have every right to be angry. We have every right to be mad. But Lord, I never want to be more angry than I am brokenhearted, than I'm able to grieve and be in the sadness that those uh, family members are in. So we ask for you to meet them where they are, that you would give them peace, that you would help them reconcile how could something this evil happen um, as they were just trying to drop their kids off to school and as we all want to and pick our kids up from school. And God, I know you will do that because pr the prayers of the righteous are powerful. But God, just like Joshua, um, I pray, Lord, that someone out there, whether it be a government leader who's praying, who says they're praying, that just like you told Joshua, you would tell them, why are you crying out to me? Do something. It is biblical to tell someone to stop praying, to do something. And so God, I'm praying that you would do that to, to those in power and that this wouldn't be a time for conservatives and liberals to argue and fight or for Democrats and Republicans to point the finger, but that somehow through this immense tragedy, people would still have the faith to turn to God. And that's what I wanna do. And that's what I'm asking you to help me lead people to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, you know, I was uh, thinking about whether or not um, I should change the message based off the craziness that's happening in our world because we are in a series on family values in, in a nation that is struggling to reflect those values. And part of those family values, we have six of them, but one of them is we worship together. So we've been going through the tabernacle and um, it has been powerful. And um, last week we were at the uh, the, the brass laver uh, where the priests would wash their hands. And so I was just going to maybe take a pivot from the tabernacle this week. Um, but interestingly enough, this, this week we are going through the lampstand, the, the furniture piece and the tabernacle is called the lampstand. And the lampstand was a piece of furniture. Once the priests went inside the Holy of Holies, there would have been no natural light whatsoever. And so the lampstand uh, if you've seen this in uh, Jewish culture, the menorah had seven like uh, candlesticks on it and it was made of pure gold. And the priest, it was attached to little bowls of olive oil, um, of pure crushed olive oil that had to be kept burning. And it was the only light in the temple. 
And nearly every Bible scholar agrees that this light represent, represented the light that was coming into the world, Jesus Christ, to illuminate uh, the darkness. And so I did find it to be fitting that in a world or a week where we are faced with the depravity and the darkness that the world is in, to double check to make sure that none of that darkness is in us so that the light of Jesus can shine in the dark places. And so we're going to go through the lampstand and we're going to stick to what God wanted us to stick to today. So if you have your Bibles, read Exodus, open them to Exodus 25 verses 31 through 40, where God's giving instructions about the tabernacle. And he says this, make a lampstand of pure hammered gold. And so they were literally taking pure gold and they were beating it into the form of what they wanted it to be. I really believe that this represents like Christ. They were beating, they, Christ was beaten and he was hammered, but that didn't change that he was God's one and only son. Sometimes when we feel beat up in life, we feel like we have lost our value. But if I were to take a $20 bill, I've done this visual a couple of years ago, and I would have taken a $20 bill and I would have stomped on it, spit on it, elbowed it, uh, flipped it up in the air, uh, uh, thrown it across the room, hit it with a hammer, uh, thrown it in the toilet, let it dry off. No matter what I did to this $20 bill, it hasn't lost its value based off what's happened to it. And if we're not careful, we think I am not valued by God unless God allows me to not experience that. But value isn't based off what happens to you. Value is set beforehand. So once Jesus died for you and died for our sins, his value, your value was set beforehand, knowing that whatever happens to me, whatever I do, I have value because Christ has died for me. And and this is the picture of what it means to be hammered gold. Does anybody feel like hammered gold? I've been feeling like hammered gold. Anybody out there feeling like hammered gold? gold this morning, where you have been through so much, it's almost like there's no way I could be gold, but they hammered the gold to shape the gold, not to change it, but to shape it. And the things in life that make you feel beat up are the things that shape you. And so it says, make the entire lampstand and its decorations of one piece, the base, center, stem, lamp lamp cups, buds, and petals. Make it with six branches going out from the center stem, three on each side. Each of the six branches will have three lamp cups shaped like almond blossoms, complete with buds and petals. Craft the center stem of the lampstand with four lamp cups shaped like almond blossoms, complete with buds and petals. There will also be an almond bud beneath each pair of the branches where the six branches extend from the center stem. The almond buds and branches must all be of one piece with the center stem, and they must be hammered from pure gold. Then make the seven lamps for the lampstand and set them so that they reflect their light forward. So if you were standing behind the lamp, was there any light there? No, no, no. The lamps would reflect their light forward. So in order to be in the light, you had to be in the right position. You couldn't just be anywhere in the tabernacle and do whatever you want. The light was reflecting forward. Oftentimes, we process our past so much, we don't realize that the light of Jesus is moving you forward. Whenever you are in darkness, you are always going backwards. Whenever you are in the light of Jesus, he's moving you forward. That's 
forward. It says the lamp snuffers and trays must also be made of pure gold. You would need, you will need 75 pounds of pure gold for the lampstand and its accessories. These current numbers say that this lampstand today would be one, worth $1.5 million. That's a, that's a nice lamp. This ain't no Ikea lamp. You don't get this at Lamps Plus. This is nice. And it said, be sure that you make everything according to the pattern I've shown you here on this mountain. And I want to stop there for a second because we all have opinions on how church should be. We all have opinions on what we should do. We all have opinions on what, uh, what people should do and what other. But in the church, you don't have permission to make the church something different than what God wants. When we are building this house, we have to make sure we do everything according to the pattern that God shows us in his presence. It can't come out of our desires. It has to come out of the patterns that God shows us in his presence. And so this light was the only light in the temple, and it is profoundly significant as it represents the light of Jesus. Do you know that in LA, we have tons of creatives? No, do we, Pastor Julian? (laughs) This guy must be a prophet. No, we have tons of creatives. And think about the thing that if you could create anything, what would you create? You might create a way to make money. You might create an album that would win a record of the year or, or, or album of the year. You might create a script that, that uh, would be uh, uh, win an Academy Award. You might write a book that would be a New York Times bestseller. Whatever we would create in our humanity, we usually want people to see. Like we don't, the climax of our creativity is not making it. The climax of our creativity is who acknowledges it. And so this is why creativity is under attack in the kingdom because we don't understand that God's a God of order. So we want to create things that we're known for. And God never did that. Here's what's crazy. God's greatest creation, obviously you and I, but when God in Genesis 1 started to create, no one was there. He wasn't putting on a show for anyone. And a lot of us don't realize that the very thing God first created was light. Mm -hmm. He said, he found the earth was dark, void, and without form, no structure. Does that sound familiar? Mm -hmm. It feels like with what's going on with our nation, the earth is dark, void, and without form. And if I'm not careful, I would allow my anger to go, we need gun laws. Do we need gun laws? I don't think that an 18-year-old kid should buy an AR-15. But let's just say God showed up and darkness was in the world and there was all these school shootings. Yes, he might address some gun laws, but you know what he would do first? He would say, let there be light. He would address the darkness because he, and I don't want to get into a Bible study about this, but Jesus said the day of darkness is coming where no one can work. I want you to get this visual where God saw that the earth was dark and void without form. And many Bible scholars believe that it was basically him saying, I can't work that like this. I want you to understand, if I asked you to put together an Ikea piece of furniture with that little baby Allen wrench and a hundred parts, how hard is that to do? Anybody put together an Ikea furniture? Like it's insane. Imagine me trying to ask you to do it in the dark. You would never put it together. So, so the very first thing you would need to do if it was dark is to get light so you could put it together. It's not that we don't need to work, but working in darkness gets you hurt. If we want things to happen fast, whenever it's dark, don't we move slow? Do you ever feel like God is moving slow? 
You ever think like, God, you're progressing me so slow? Why? Because I don't want you to get hurt because you're in darkness. And when it's dark, we got to slow down. When there's light, we can move faster. I have never seen an NBA game played in the dark. There is no, Steph Curry is the best three-point shooter of all time. Turn the lights out. Let's see how good he is. You could be the most anointed preacher. Of, turn the lights out. See how, much, how well you can preach. So the enemy comes to turn the light out in our soul to make us walk in darkness. And God said, I can't work that like this. Let there be light. Now, I used to think that that light was the sun, moon, and stars. But I believe nine verses later, it says he created a greater light to govern the day and a smaller light to govern the night. And he set the stars in the sky. So what light was that in the beginning that illuminated the entire earth if God had yet to create the sun the moon, and the stars. That light, my friends, was the glory of the Lord. Many Bible scholars believe that when he said, let there be light, uh, Father, Son, and Spirit came together in unity and illuminated the earth. There was no need for practical light. There was no need for natural light because the light of Jesus had come to the earth. And then God did get to work. So what I'm challenging us to do in this time of darkness is not to do prayers and thoughts and prayers are useless. No, they're not. We need to turn the light on with the character of Christ and the prayers of the righteous, but absolutely we need to get to work. God didn't go, let there be light and then go sit down. Right. Says he start making stuff. He start doing things. Whatever God was doing over six days was so much that he had to rest from it. What are we gonna do for our nation that we do so much we need to rest from doing it? It's not just spiritual, it is practical as well. But God started off with the light. So Jesus came into the world and said, he's the light of the world. And then after some three years of discipleship, he turned to his disciples and said, you are the light of the world. I'm sending you like sheep among wolves. I'm sending you into the darkness to be a light. And your job is to illuminate with the presence of Jesus and then get to work. It's not one or the other, it's both ends. It's not prayer, but no action. And it's not action, but no prayer. And what has to come first is the illuminating presence of Jesus Christ. I was telling my wife the other day, just the fact that these were, were children is just, I just don't understand. But what sends me chills to my bones is the length that an evil person will go to harm people. And that lack of length that a Christian will go to help people. The convenience and comfort that we all want to live in. We're not willing to do anything. We're not willing to deal with anything. We're not willing to do anything. It's just, I'm not willing to do anything. And that guy was willing to do anything. What if Christians were willing to do anything? And that's where I understand the statement of no more thoughts and prayers, because I think the person was just trying to say, like God was trying to say to Joshua, please stop praying about something you could do something about. That is the light of the world. The church is called to be the light of the world. And back to the thing of what I said about creativity, where we don't want to create and not be noticed for it. I think in times I've accidentally communicated, falsely communicated that God doesn't want you to be known. But Jesus, God told Abraham, he's going to make him famous or David, I'll, you're going to be famous. I will make your name famous is what he told David. 
So it's not that God doesn't want us to be known. It's what he wants us to be known for. He does not want you to be known for your gift. He wants you to be known for your light. He would say, I am placing you as a light, a city on a hill. And he said, what person would create a light that bright and then put a lampshade over it? God is never trying to put a lampshade over your light. He's trying to bring your darkness into the light. So if you feel like you're in obscurity, there is absolutely darkness. If you feel like you are not living your full life that God has called you to, do not blame people. It is not people's fault. It is your, there's some darkness that God wants to deal with, whether you got it from your family, your parents, something else that happened to you. He wants to deal with the darkness. You are not ready for the light in God's, in God's saying, but yeah, that person, they just, nope, they didn't do what they're supposed to do. So now I'm here. No, no, no. No, God is saying, I would never put a light under a lampshade. I will bring, I will want you to be influential. I want my light to shine. The Bible says, let your light shine before men so that they may glorify your father in heaven. It's not let your, lead them all to Jesus. Yes, we want them to know Jesus. But the Bible says, just in case they don't, let your light shine before men. So whether it's in a church service or not, they're still going to glorify your father in heaven. My friends, we are the lampstand. But just like the Old Testament, we only want to be the lampstand in the church. If you want to see the lights, you got to go to church. The only person who saw the light was the person who was in there. And God said, no, no, no. I'm not the light to the church. I'm not the light to the tabernacle. Old Testament was the light to the tabernacle. New Testament, a light to the world. And so if people have to come to this building or jump online to see the light, we have failed to be the lampstand. In Revelations, I wish I had time to read all of this, y'all, but it's so good. In Revelation, John, uh, the disciple John, had a prophecy where he saw seven lampstands, just like the ones that were in the temple. And it said that if you don't love, return to your first love of God and each other, I'm going to remove your lampstand. So he didn't say, I'm going to put out your light. God will never leave you or forsake you. He will never put out the light that he put on the inside of you when you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. But if we do not love each other, it's not about getting angry at hate. It's about loving each other. So not not anger at hate is real. It's real, y'all but do you love each other? Because if not, God says, I'm going to remove your lampstand. I'm going to remove the visibility, not the light itself. I'm going to remove anyone's ability to see that it's there. Gosh, man. Those seasons of obscurity where you're not feeling like you're doing what God has called you to do, sometimes he removes the lampstand. So there's things that we need to do there needs to be an act of love and whether it's policy change or whatever it is. And, and, and by the way, don't let the fact that there needs to be a policy change excuse you from the policies that need to change in your soul. Yeah. The policies you've set up that if this person does this, I can hate them. If this person does this, I can attack them. If this person does this, no, no, no. We need policy change across the board. Mm-hmm. Out there in the government and in our own heart, in the church, we need some policy change, y'all. God was so humble, he changed his own policy. You know, you weren't allowed to approach God and God through the faith in Jesus and through the grace of God changed his own policy to benefit you and we won't change ours. 
This was the rule. You had, you had to be a priest to do this. Now you don't. Anyone can encounter the light of Jesus. God changed his own policy out of an act of love. It's called the new covenant. Why do you think they call it the old covenant? Because he changed his policy. And I know what some of you are thinking. Yes, we need gun. Yes, we need gun reform, but we need people reform. We need church reform. We need business reform. We need marriage reform. We need parenting reform. Everything needs reformation because without reformation, there can be no revival. And the light of Jesus is asking us to reform some things in our life. We went to Uganda one time and Uganda is like their government is corrupt. You think our government is corrupt? Nothing compared to Uganda. And I didn't meet one person complaining about the government. I said, hey, can I ask you a question? Like, y'all's government is corrupt. I haven't talked to one person when I asked him what the problem is. They never said the government needs. He says, oh, the government's corrupt. We don't talk about the government. And he, I said, why? He said, we focus on the youth. I said, excuse me? He said, yeah, we focus on the youth. Because our predecessors focused on the government. And then youth grew up to make the same choices that the government now. So what's the point of me going after a 70-year-old politician when there's a 12-year-old that's going to grow up to be the 70-year-old politician? We'll go after the 12-year-olds so that the 12-year-olds will never grow up to be the 70. And we'll eat the fact that we will have to deal with it now so the future generation doesn't have to deal with it later because all those old people are going to die off. Do you know that God waited to send Israel to the promised land until the old people died off and he focused on the young generation? Oh, I feel like preaching. If we, and we can't get any volunteers to come to you. We can't get, that, if, we don't, if our youth is teaming, we got, we got to have people mentoring youth. We got to have people in foster care. We, 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 have, we probably have, the church probably has 20, maybe 10% foster parents. But we talk about we're life, we're this. No, no, no. God said he went after the youth. He said, these old people, they're not going to change. Let's just wait for them to die. Can you imagine? Pastor Clayton preached this message one time where a young person believing for the promises of God to be fulfilled in their life is looking at some hundred-year-old man hanging on for dear life and saying, when he goes, God can move. Do we have an old thinking or an old way of doing something that God can't do anything until we're gone? God forbid that my death activates revival instead of initiate my life initiating it. I feel like throwing this. So that's what happens. And every single time a death was preceded by revival. So I'm not allowing these three mass shootings. We can't allow these people to die in vain and just go, hey, it's on the government. No, no, no. They need to do their job, but so do we. We need to be a city on a hill, a light that cannot be hidden. God refuses to shine the light. Let your light shine before men that they may glorify your Father in heaven. And so when darkness comes and the post of Christians are just as dark, we, we need the light to shine before men so we can get to work and do some things to bring change. One scholar said this about darkness is that darkness is when the soul has lost its discernment and perception. Mm -hmm. The ability to make wise decisions and know what justice is and know the difference between right and wrong. This is so important. And I've been really, being that I'm 45, I've been really trying to say, okay, is my leadership supposed to be uh, like primarily action or presence? Because it's hard to figure out, like, what's God supposed to be doing? What am I supposed to be doing? David was so fire, and he was so good at the light, 
Um, as he got older, you need to be more light than work. As you get old, if you're a mature Christian, you are the illumination to why other people can do things. Like it would be dark in here if I wasn't here. That's mature Christianity. I'm chilling, but it would be dark in here if I didn't do anything. If I wasn't here, it'd be dark. Like it's literally the spiritual presence. This is true. Second Samuel 21 verse 17, one of David's best warriors, Abishai said, but Abishai, son of Zeruiah, came to David's rescue because David's getting old. He didn't have it no more. And killed the Philistine that was attacking David. Then David's men declared, you are not going out to battle with us again. Why risk snuffing out the light of Israel? He's like, things will get real dark if something happened to you. You ever had that person at your job that's just a really nice person and they love people? And you go, what do they do? What do they do? And then they're gone. And then they get let go for not doing anything. And you're like, finally, because they didn't do anything. And no matter how hard anybody works, the profits go down by 20%. I was in a company like that where they let the light go and the profits went down 20% and nobody could figure it out. And I knew we should have kept that person. Hey man, you can't go to battle. You're the light. We would never hire someone in a military and say, don't fight, just be the light. Is that preaching to somebody? They asked them not to fight, just be the light. We'll fight, but you got to be. There's, I, I just, this is something that we have got to get. And hear what I'm saying. I'm not trying to be hyper-spiritual. There, we have got to know we need to take action. But first things first, are, is the church the lampstand? Is the church the lampstand? There's three things I want to close with that I've seen that actually can say, because I'm trying to be more practical in my sermons. Natasha, are you proud of me? Yeah. Um, trying to be more practical in my sermons where it's just not this prophetic word, but it's like somebody puts in the chat, well, well how do we get the light? How do we do that? I know he's talk- Pastor Julian's talking about light, but I'm just not quite sure what the next steps are. I'm a practical person. That's hurting my throat. <laughs> I need some water now. That's what I get. I did that. Now I need some water. So, yeah, nice. Okay. Yeah, so. Yeah, that's it. It's like, it's a, there's a range to it. There's a range to it. So, yeah, so I just, I just, I need some practical steps because a lot of these messages are really prophetic and they feed my soul, but like, what's next? What do I do? So I'm going to give you three things. You ready? Let's go. Three things I've seen bring light to Christians before they get to work. Not instead, before. Light is not instead of policy change and things that we need to do and the actions we need to take. Light is not instead of really working hard to make your dreams happen. Light is before, not instead. God said, let there be light. Then he got to work. Okay? So I'm not saying before, I'm not saying don't do anything. Let's just pray. That like, I detest that. It's before, not instead of. So there's three things I've seen bring light to a believer so that they can get to work and not be working in darkness. And one, the three things I'll tell you, the walk, the word, the way. The walk, the word, and the way. First John uh, uh, chapter one, verses six through seven says, if we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. 
But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. So what he's saying is walking in the light is, is literally uh, the, the word, um, it, 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 it's a very figurative word, meaning that you're walking in the source of. So you're walking in the light when God is the source of everything you do. Is God in his, is he the source of your thinking, the source of your dreams, the source of your strength, the source, walking in the light is the source. The light is a source. It's coming from somewhere. So, 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 so when people can see what you do, this is the light. Cause like, oh man, just, he had such a great energy and light. It's not new agey. It's not, I can see where that comes from. Like, I can see where that comes from. I can see where your faith comes from. I can see where your hope comes from. I can see where your work ethic comes from. Your work ethic doesn't come out of jealousy. It comes from your relationship with Jesus. I can see you're connected to a source. That's walking in the light. And it says we do this. We have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Uh, That word walk is a Greek word meaning to close the loop or complete the circle. Is there a loop you need to close in your life? Because I would say that a complete circle, think about it. Here's what's crazy, is that darkness has no effect on light. None. The only thing that darkness can do with light is create a shadow. It cannot create an atmosphere, only a shadow. But even Jesus is such a brilliant light. It says, when Jesus shows up, his light is so brilliant, We actually find safety in the shadow of his wings, it says. So like he's just such a bright, brilliant light. So that word walk means to to close the loop, to complete the circle. And if you don't close the loop in some of the things in your life, whether it be unaddressed sins or or pride, then what happens is the enemy can get in there. We got to close the loop. There's some things in your life we got to close the loop. That's walking in the light. And here's what's crazy. The blood of Jesus, his son purifies us from all sin. So Jesus actually helps you close the loop. He doesn't say, hey, you better close that loop. He does it yeah. as you seek his, his character and his love, the walk. The second thing is the word. I've never met a Christian who stayed in the light without the word of God. Never. Yeah. They need things to go well to have light. Um, and so Psalm 119, verses one, uh, verse 105, there's a lot of verses in Psalm 119. It says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Notice it says two sources. Now, now no, I haven't read any scripture that gives you two sources of light. One is a light to your path. One's a lamp that you carry. So if you get off path, right? Anybody felt like they're off path? If you're in the word, now you have a handheld source of light to help you find the path. Like this is so good. So you need two lights. Because we all stray. So without the word, I can't find my way back to the path. Because the path has a light. If you get off the path, it's dark. That's why you need the word, because you have a lamp and a light. There's a light on the path, so I know where to go, but there's a light in my hand, because I'm in the word. And so the light, so this is not obey God's word. No, you need to obey enough God's word to where at least you have a lamp in your hand to get back on the path of God for your life. 
So if you feel far from God, get in your, don't say, God, what do you want me to do? What's my purpose? If you feel far from God, get some word in your life, get in a connect group, get in a Bible study so that the lamp that's in your hand can lead you back to the path that has the light to tell you where you're going to go. Your next step is not dreams and vision and goals. It is getting a lamp in your hand to find your way back to the path. And here's what's crazy. The Bible says that he'll make your crooked path straight. So God will, will give you back the years that you lost but we got to get in the word. The, the, Jesus is the walking. You can't have a relation with Jesus and not have a relation with the word because in John chapter one, it says that Jesus was the word made flesh and the word brought life and the life brought light. How do we get the light? The word brings life. The life brings light. So when I live my life, according to the word, that life produces a light that allows me to go into dark places and be successful. All the money's in a dark place. Your husband might be in a dark place. I don't know. All of that stuff that you want is in a dark place. It ain't waiting in the light. This ain't Raiders of the Lost Ark, whatever the thing is, where they'd go find the thing, the light shining on the thing. Whatever you're looking for is in the darkness. So you better have a lamp and there better be light on your path. The word brought life. Jesus was the word. The word brought life. The life brought light. So you can't be walking in the light if the word doesn't help your life. Like we, sometimes we go ask people for advice before we go to the word. What do you think I should do? No, you got to get in the word. The walk, the word, and the third thing is the way. Our actual actions. Psalm 37 verses five through six says, commit your ways to the Lord, trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. What? It doesn't say dream big. It says commit your ways and he'll bring it to pass. No, I'm committing my ways. I'm committing my post. I'm committing my prayers. I'm committing my conversations. I'm committing my work. I'm, I'm, I'm operating. Everything I do is out of commitment to the Lord. I'm committing my way, not just a dream, the way that I do it. I'm going to do this the way that God would have me. Any decision you make, how would God want me to do it? Most likely it's the opposite of how you want to do it. <laughs> like he's not going to like... No, commit your ways and he shall bring it to pass. And watch this. When you commit your ways to the Lord, he shall bring it to pass and he shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. So before God can bring justice to the nation, he has to bring justice to your soul. Justice is aligning things the way that God wants them to be. And before our world can be the way God wants it to be, guess what? You gotta be the way God wants you to be. I got to be the way God wants me to be. The church has to be the way God wants it to be. And then he sends that light like a city on a hill. Here is what is absolutely fascinating about the golden lampstand is that it represented something naturally that we have spiritually. This is one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible, and I'm going to close with this because many of us don't know that, taking you back to when God said, let there be light at the beginning of the world, and the glory of the Lord illuminated the earth. It says in 2 Corinthians 4, verses 4 through 7, Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. It means cloudy vision. That word blinded means he's given them cloudy vision. They're unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who's the exact likeness of God. You see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord and we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. 
For God's who said, let there be light in the darkness. Remember in the beginning, he said, let there be light, has made this light shine in our hearts so that we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. That word glory is goodness. He's made the light shine in our hearts so that we could know the goodness of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. So what would the enemy want to do to you and I? He would want to darken our hearts so that we could not know the goodness of God and we couldn't see the face of Jesus. He made the same light. So when we see darkness and we experience darkness like we've experienced this last week, we have got to sit down in God's presence and let him speak to our hearts and say, here, this heart is overwhelmed with darkness. I didn't want to send my kids to school today. Jesus, let there be light here, not out there, here. And if there's enough of us who have light in here, there'll be light out there. This is the mission and the power of the gospel. And it says this, that we now have this light shining in our, in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. You're not here to work on yourself. Why? This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. And so it's okay to feel fragile. It's okay to feel like there's some cracks in your armor, if you will, through sin, but any clay jar that has a crack in it, what's in it will come out. And God is so gracious, he will let the light shine through the cracks that are your decisions, through the cracks that are your mistakes. He still allows the light to shine because of his goodness. Father, I thank you that we are understanding today that that lampstand in the tabernacle is supposed to be the church, supposed to be believers. Help us, Lord, to be the light to literally walk in the light, to literally close the loop, to be in our words. We have both the lamp and the light to let our character shine before men so that they can glorify their father, our father who is in heaven, God. Help us be the lampstands you have called us to be, a city on a hill. God, you want your light to shine and be known because the world will glorify you. And God, once again, we pray for the lives lost this weekend and their families, God. Will you give them peace and comfort and just help us, God. We need your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, love you so much. Um, make sure you fill out uh, a connect card. This is really important to us. If you consider me your pastor, I would love for you to, to get involved into our church and to get engaged and be discipled. So I believe it is, what is it? Oasis Online forward slash, wait, OasisLA.org forward slash online connect. OasisLA.org forward slash online connect. We'll get you to your next step, whether that be baptism, a group, baby dedication, whatever you want to do. We're here for it. We're here for all of it. So love you so much and can't wait to see you soon.